Romans chapter number one. If you want to be finding your place in your Bible tonight, Romans chapter number one. Thank you, ladies, for the music. And I'm so grateful for our music and all the hard work that goes into it. And looking forward to uh, seeing uh, some. Uh, we, we met this earlier this week and uh, put together a few uh, new music groups. Some of you don't know it yet, but you're going to be uh, singing in a, in, in a singing group. And, um, and uh, so, no, some of you, you can be as optimistic as you want, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Romans chapter number one tonight, I'm going to uh, begin reading uh, in just a moment in verse number 16, and I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter. Um, as, as I mentioned, and as I started last Wednesday night, on Wednesday nights, uh, I'm going to speak about ministry relationships and look from the life of Paul. Um, on these Sunday nights now, starting tonight, and then I plan on doing it for several Sunday nights. I don't know how many, uh, but I want to deal with uh, what the Bible says about what's going on uh, in our nation. Um, you know, you, you know, I preached a little bit this morning about America and the history of America, and, and you can get an idea of what's going on even politically if you know what has taken place uh, in our country. The same is true when it comes to the Word of God. One of the greatest Bible principles you can get as a Christian is, is the truth that's in the, found in Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. There's no new thing under the sun. Uh, there's nothing new. So what, look at what's going on in our country today. It's not new. And uh, if, uh, if you can get in the habit of looking through the, the lens of Scripture, when I see what's going on in our nation, I simply say, Okay, where does this person fit in the Bible? Where does this situation fit in the Bible? Because God's already talked about it. Uh, it has already been done. To give you an example, uh, in dealing with people, uh, I, I do place people in categories. The book of Proverbs talks about the simple. Uh, if, if I believe somebody is a simple person, I mean, they just don't know, then I'm going to respond a certain way. If I believe somebody is a scorner, the Bible tells me. Uh, there, there's a certain way that I'm supposed to respond to them. And it's that way when it comes to our world. That's why, as a Christian, when we're going through all this pandemic and all these different things, we shouldn't panic. We have the Word of God. Uh, we have the, the truth of Scripture. We have God as our helper. He is our anchor. And so tonight, uh, I believe I'm going to help us and uh, give some explanation of what is taking place uh, in our nation. And if we understand what is going on, it will help us respond as Christians should respond. Um, I want to be involved in the process of, uh, as a citizen, but I don't want to react politically to the world that we live in. I want to react scripturally to the world that we live in, uh, because our goal as the church is to reach the lost with the gospel. My goal is not to change anybody from a Democrat to a Republican. If you get saved, that should just happen. Uh, you know, my, my, my goal is, is to reach people with the gospel. Uh, and I think sometimes we put these other things out front, and, and we don't realize the important thing as a Christian, as a church, is to uh, preach the, the Word of God and the light of the gospel. So tonight, I think I'll give you some clarity on some things, and we'll continue. We'll get into this through the, the, the coming weeks. Romans chapter number 1, we'll get a reading with verse number 16. <clears throat> Paul, of course, is writing here. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and of salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
Uh, let me say, we're going to read, and we're going to read through the, the rest of the chapter. We're going to find a list of some of the most vile things that, 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 somebody, that people can participate in. And the chapter ends with them knowing the judgment of God and deciding to do it anyway. I want to parallel that with what Paul says. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not my message. But why is it those that live in a vile state can have their pride month and Christians hide their, their glory in the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's, this isn't any part of the message, but this is just an obvious thing to point out. Uh, not to be ashamed of, uh, of the gospel. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the, his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, into birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause gave God, them, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. What a list at the end of Romans chapter number 1. It's a, it's a list worth comparing to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. In the perilous times that shall come, there's also a list of the, the, the attributes of people. And we're going to be reminded tonight, and we're going to see that Man, when man rejects God, there's only one way for man to go. And we see the result of a rejection of God. And I want to speak on something tonight that I think will equip us as Christians as to what is really going on amongst people in our world. Because sometimes we get distracted by the rhetoric 
Sometimes we get confused by what is really being said. And it's in our heart to take people at their word. But I want us to look at things through a scriptural lens tonight. I want us to notice the end of verse number 20 as our text tonight. So that they are without excuse. Who? Those that are listed in the following verses. They are without excuse. Some may say, Pastor, you were born in a Christian home. What about those that were not born in a Christian home? I'm thankful that God blessed me in that regard. They are without excuse. Because some of you could testify, you didn't grow up in a Christian home. You grew up in the exact opposite of that. But yet, by the grace of God, you're saved tonight. And I want to speak on that tonight without excuse. Father, I pray that you'll help us. I pray as we look into the Word of God, may we be reminded tonight of your omniscience, your omnipotence. And Father, may we uh, be helped uh, by what you have already told us in the Word of God. May we take this knowledge not to condemn, but may we take this knowledge to understand and realize the role that we play in this world today. Father, I pray that you'll use the Scripture to your honor and glory, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I've already mentioned, the latter part of Romans chapter 1 is a list of the results of the rejection of God. It is a dangerous thing to know the truth and reject it. It is a dangerous thing to hear the truth of the Word of God preached and reject it. Tonight, you and I as a Christian, you and I as a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, we need to be reminded, uh, first of all, we ought to be thankful that we have the truth, that we have the Word of God. I'm not going to stand up here and put doubt in your mind about whether or not we have the Word of God. As I preach from this King James Bible, I have the very words of God. It's what we can put our hope and our belief in. Uh, We have the truth. It's a dangerous thing, though, to have the truth and not listen to it. It's a dangerous thing to have the truth and not obey it. In one regard, uh, we are blessed to be able to rear our children in a Christian home. And you teenagers that are here tonight, I know we have many people not here tonight, but those that are here and those that have children in the nursery and the other different places tonight on the property, uh, it, you, those of you that can hear me tonight, it is, a, it is a privilege for you to grow up in a Christian home. It, it, is, it is a blessing of God. But you better hear me very clearly. It is a dangerous thing to spend your whole life your whole upbringing, to have the truth of God preached to you and taught to you and put in front of you and for you to reject it. It is a very dangerous thing. Uh, America has been blessed in a great way. But America is in great danger tonight. Danger of the wrath of God. Why is that? Because America has had the truth. America has had the blessing. America has, has the preaching of the word of God and yet... In many regards, America has rejected it. And we see the results at the latter part of Romans chapter number 1. Now, some today, we look at our world and we see what's going on in our our world and our society today. And there's a lot of justification. Uh, There's a lot of hashtags. There's a lot of slogans. 
You and I have to push past all of that and look at the Scripture tonight and let the Scripture tell us and equip us for the day that we live in. See, we live in a world of debauchery. We live in a world of vile, wicked sin. And if that is not bad enough, those that live in debauchery use all kinds of excuse and justification for the way they live. See, some justify their debauchery by claiming they have a right to choose. They have a right, it's their life, it is, it is, it is my body, my choice. Well, if that's the way it worked, when it comes to wearing a mask and social distancing, my body, my choice. Well, some of you didn't like that one, but... Others will justify their debauchery by claiming that God made them this way. They live in a vile way. They live uh, in, a, in a way that is, is in the vilest of manners, and they want to blame God for their sin. They want to blame God for their debauchery. I say on both accounts, you're a liar. You are without excuse. There will some, they are the professional victim. It's the unfair treatment of mom and dad. It's the unfair treatment of the church they grew up in. It's the unfair treatment of the pastor that they had. It's the unfair treatment of the youth director that they have. It's the unfair treatment is why it justifies for them to live in the sin that they live in. And I say to them, you are a liar. Because the scripture says... You are without excuse. You are without justification. There is the battle cry. There is the slogan. There is the hashtag of the God-haters today, of those that live in vile wickedness, and they, they cry intolerance, and, and the church is intolerant, and, and there's groups that are intolerant. I t- say to you tonight, that has nothing to do with the way that you're living, it has nothing to do with the sin that you embrace. I say tonight, you are lying when you say that because the Scripture says you are without excuse. Now, with that in mind, not what this preacher says, not what some political commentary says, but what the everlasting, eternal words of God say that those who are listed beginning in verse number 21 down through the end of the chapter, they have no excuse, no one to blame, no one to point a finger at, and they can use the guilt and they can use the mob mentality, and they can use the, 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 the misguided uh, uh, motives of people. But when it comes down to it, as far as God is concerned, they are without excuse. I'm going to mention five things tonight that from the Word of God are going to back up what I just said. They are going to give the pillars built on the foundation that I just laid. And the first one of these is found in verse number 16, and I'll read it again in just a moment, but I'll say, first of all, number one, salvation is available for any man. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, salvation is available for any man. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? That, that Jesus died for all men, for all come short of the glory of God. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave. Salvation is available for any man. What is salvation? It's the gospel of Christ. You know this tonight. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot purchase your way of, to heaven. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the perfect Lamb of God. It is His shed blood applied to our account through faith in what Christ did. There is but one way to heaven, that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it can be labeled uh, hate speech. It can be labeled whatever politically correct term you want to use today. But my Bible says that there is but one way of salvation. And it is a very narrow way. It is a very specific way through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that salvation is available for any man. Notice what verse 16 says. The power of God unto salvation. You and I that are saved tonight are saved not by our own goodness, but by the power of God. Say, explain to me everything about salvation. I can take you through the doctrines of salvation, but let me just sum it up for you tonight. My God is powerful enough to take a wicked, old sinner bound for hell and through faith in what Christ did, clean him up, make him as white as snow, apply the blood of Christ to his account. My God is powerful enough to do that. And quite frankly, you don't even have to understand how God does it. You just have to understand that you're a sinner bound for hell and because of what Jesus did, you put your faith and trust in him and eternal life is yours to have. What is it? It's the power of God Unto salvation. Notice what the verse says. To everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. I don't have time to get into it tonight, but there are not some that are predestined to hell. To everyone that believeth. There are not some that are too wicked to save. To everyone that believeth. Boy, it's, 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 I'm sure I'll get delve into it some throughout this, but we need to get back to the, to, to the point of believing as God's people that that one sin, no matter how little that we think it is, how, what, it, what it is in the sight of God, it, it turns the heart of God. God hates sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And it may not be in your mind as wicked as somebody else's sin, but one little sin is enough to send you to hell forever. That's how God thinks of sin. But to everyone that believeth, there's nobody so wicked they can't be saved. There's nobody so hopeless they can't be saved. See, we really don't know the Bible like we should know the Bible. Because we look at people who are bound in sin, and we all do this. We look at them, we look at the life they're living, they look at, look at the, the direction they're, 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 they're going, and we go ahead and say, well, there's no way they can be saved. We don't say it. But we act that way. My Bible says, to everyone that believeth. There's nobody so hopeless that if they just believe, believe what? The gospel of Christ. Put their I mean, Paul's the one writing this. Paul's a good example. Paul was a murderer. Paul was vile. 
Paul was wicked. Paul, Paul sent people to their graves. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ saved him, changed him, made him a new creature. That's what I want to say. First of all, salvation is available for any man. You look at the most vile in our world today, but for the grace of God, that's you and I. And in the sight of God, our sin is as vile as the most wicked sin as you can think of. But for the grace of God. But we also need to understand that you take the most vile sinner today, Jesus died for that sinner. Jesus shed his blood for that sinner. And that sinner, no matter what they have done, if they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in that moment, in that instant, they will be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Their, their, their eternity will be changed from, from hell to heaven. You think of that thief on the cross. He didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to join the church. He didn't have time to turn over a new leaf or make the Lord officially, uh, the, the, the Lord of his, Jesus, the Lord of his life. All he did was put his simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation was available to him. That's the first thing we got to be reminded of. Is that salvation is available for any man. The gospel is not an American gospel. It's a gospel for the world. The gospel is not a white gospel, a black gospel, a brown gospel. It is the only gospel. It is the gospel for the world. It is the gospel that saved me as a child growing up in Sunday school and in a, in a Christian home. It's the gospel that saved my wife as a bus kid, getting on a bus on the other side of the nation. It is the gospel that saves any man. We progress in our text tonight. We said, number one, salvation is available for any man. Number two, all men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. Let me say that again. All men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture in just a moment. But the critic who hears this tonight may say, well, that's easy for you to say. You grew up in a Christian home. You grew up in a pastor's home. Can I tell you? There are some who grew up in a Christian home and they'll die and go to hell. And they heard the truth their whole life. There are some who were born into a preacher's home and heard the gospel many times and they'll die and go to hell. It's not because they didn't hear the truth. It's because they rejected it. And on the other side of that coin, there are some who were born into the most wicked and vile of circumstances. And the best they knew how, they put their faith and trust in what Christ had done. And they will spend an eternity in heaven. All men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. Now, you and I tonight, we've got to decide whether or not we believe the Bible. We've got to decide whether or not we believe every verse, every word. And that's one of the things that the devil has done. And he's done it even in the, in the lives of Christians. He's put a doubt on this word. And, and, and we think if we don't understand it, we can push it aside. If we don't like it, we don't have to agree with it. But this is the word of God. And when God makes a statement, it really doesn't deserve any 
commentary or opinion by man. All men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. Verse 19. Let's go back to verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. What does the Bible say? Everybody that's listed. And the remainder of this chapter, God is saying there without excuse. Why? Because they are aware of the truth. So can you explain to me how in the life of every individual that God has done this? I cannot. All I can do is tell you what the Bible says, that God makes them aware. Before you got saved, you were aware there was a God. You were aware there was truth. You were aware you were a sinner. God does it because He says He does. Because that which may be known of God, He said He makes it known, is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things, verse 20, of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Are clearly seen. Are clearly seen. Pastor, I don't know that they're that clear. God said, God said, they are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His internal power and Godhead, being understood, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is not like the teacher who doesn't pick, who, who teaches something out of the textbook. Then when it comes time for the final, gives them a, a final, and it has nothing to do with what they have been studying. Now, my junior high teachers were that way, but God is not that way. God is not going to send somebody to hell without them knowing the truth. God is not going to pour out His wrath without making it known. That's, my God is a loving God, but my God is a just God. My God, as we're going to see, is a God of wrath. But He makes it very clear in verses 19 and verses 20 that, they, that this world knows, this world understands, and everybody who is listed in the remaining verses of this chapter, it says that it is, under, it is understood all men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. This will help some of us to be reminded there's not alternative truths. Well, that's what you believe. This is what I believe. There's one truth. They either accept it or reject it. Tonight, I believe that Jesus Christ the virgin-born Son of God. I believe that He put on a robe of flesh, lived a sinless life. I believe He was all points tempted as man is tempted, and He never had a sinful thought, He never had a sinful emotion, He never had a, a sinful act, and He went to the cross of Calvary and took upon Him the sins of the world. I believe he, he paid my sin debt. I believe He paid your sin debt. I believe He paid the sin debt of all mankind. I believe after three days, He, he was raised from the dead, carrying the keys of death and hell. 
And I believe with all of my heart as I stand here tonight as a child when the Spirit of God put me under conviction over what Christ did for my sins, the moment I put my faith in Him, God saved me and I've been saved ever since. I believe that Jesus is the way of salvation. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says it. Why do I believe that? Because the Spirit of God has confirmed it in my own heart and my own mind. I either had to accept it or reject it. All men are aware of the truth. They either accept it or reject it. Say, Pastor, you, you mean this, this group that's pushing this agenda and this group that's pushing this agenda and this group that wants to be recognized as this, do you believe they are all aware of the truth according to the Scripture? They are. And if they had not accepted it, there was a time in their life when they rejected it. Pastor, how, how could this be? Let me give you some insight on that. First of all, one way that they reject it is they are confronted with it. And they reject it. There have been times that there have been lost sinners in the services of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And they have heard a salvation message. They have heard how they just need to put their faith and trust in Christ. Those of you that... That if pastor, those of you that are preachers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Spirit of God burdens you to a point that you know there's a lost sinner in the congregation. And then when that invitation time comes, oh, what a joy to see them respond. But there's also times when it's heartbreaking to see them dig in and leave as lost as when they came. They were confronted with the truth and they rejected it. There are some who grow up in a Christian home and that, figuratively speaking, or maybe literally that family Bible sits on the coffee table. They're, they're brought to Sunday school. They're taught the things of God. They were confronted with the truth and they rejected it. There are some situations the truth that was brought into their life, they overlooked it. They didn't give it the attention that they should have given it. And by the way, that's part of our responsibility as a church is to give attention so that others can have the attention, the right attention. That's why we are a witness, so that those who have the truth, they can, we can help them put their focus on that and, and deal with that truth, but they overlook it. And then there are some that get caught up in things and they are aware of the truth, but they oppose it because they don't like the truth. They oppose it because they, in their lost condition or in their sin, they oppose the truth. Let me give you three Bible examples of men who were aware of the truth. They had an opportunity to accept it, but they rejected it. The first one is Herod in the execution of John the Baptist. You know the story of how he made that promise to that wicked woman that he would give her half the kingdom after she danced for him, and she said, give me the head of John the Baptist. And if you read that account in Scripture, he really did not want to take the life. Is it because of John the Baptist's winning personality? I don't think so. Was it because of his diet and the way he dressed? I don't think so. It's because he knew that John the Baptist preached the truth. But he had not accepted it. He rejected it. I think of Pontius Pilate 
in his role in the crucifixion of our Lord and how he attempted to wash his hands of it and say, I find no fault in him, but yet he did not step forward and, and set him free. And we know what the Lord's plan was, but there was something inside of Pilate. There was something that, that, bought, that kept his wife, if you read the scripture up, all night long troubled. I believe with my whole heart, he knew he was the truth. He knew what he said was true. And as a matter of fact, the mob that was shouting crucify him was consisted of those who heard him teach, heard him preach, and rejected the truths that he represented. I think of King Agrippa as Paul appeared before him. And he said, almost thou persuadest me. I wonder how many are part of these social justice movements, they were almost persuaded. I wonder those who would curse the name of God were almost persuaded at one time. All men are aware of the truth. They either accept or reject it. We move to statement number three tonight. God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness. As we think of this thought of all of us are without excuse, but no matter what justification we put on our life, no matter what justification we put on our actions, the Scripture says we are without excuse, and we need to understand that God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God... Let me stop right there. Those three words ought to terrify you and I. Wrath of God. You look on the pages of Scripture, and whenever God poured out His wrath, entire civilizations ceased to exist. And we see the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, there's much to talk about in that verse. Now, as you and I know, when lost man stands at the great white throne of judgment, they are going to face a holy and a righteous God. And they're going to give an account for their sins, not as a group, as an individual. And for all of eternity, they're going to experience the punishment for their sins. The wrath of God, if you will. Because... God cannot accept sin. Sin against God demands a punishment. That is true, and ultimately that is the ultimate payment that someone will pay. But I believe that this verse speaks in context that while we're even here on this earth, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. In the day we live in, God lets man know through his wrath he's not okay with their ungodliness and their unrighteousness. What is ungodliness speaking of? I believe it's, that word ungodliness is speaking of wrong done against God. We do not sin in a vacuum. Well, it doesn't affect it. No, 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 no. Even if it were true that it had no effect on another man, it would still be a wrong done against God. And the scripture tells me 
that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness or against all wrong done against him. You may forget about it, but God does not. This world may push it aside, but God does not. In wrong that is done against God, the scripture tells me that the wrath of, of, wrath of God is going to be revealed. It says ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That unrighteousness, I believe, speaks of wrong done against a fellow man. There's, there's ungodliness, wrong done against God. There's unrighteousness, it is wrong, that is done against men that affect other men. The scripture tells us that his wrath is against it. He, it is going to be revealed against, against men. You and I need to be reminded of something, and we'll move to number four pretty quickly. That God is not okay, if, even if a society is okay. God is not going to be permissive, even if society becomes permissive. In church, you and I need to be reminded that God is not going to be permissive, even if the church gets to be permissive. That God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness. We live in an ungodly world. We live in an unrighteous world. And sometimes we get frustrated and say, why in the world doesn't God do anything? I believe he is. And I'm going to reveal it to you with statement number four. We find the revealing of the wrath of God. Statement number three, we stated God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness. Statement number four, we have the revealing of the wrath of God. Notice again, verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. God reveals it. Scripture says it is revealed. How is it revealed? It's revealed against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. If Even if a man turns a blind eye to ungodliness, God is not. There are things that go on in our world. It is the chastisement of God. But let me help you understand as we consider those that are listed in Romans chapter number 1. Those that are, have rejected the truth. Remember we said everybody has the truth. Everybody knows the truth. They either accept it or reject it. There have been times in our nation when the majority of men have accepted the truth. You think of the Great Awakening. What was that? That was men accepting the truth of Scripture. The second Great Awakening, the same thing. There have been revivals that have taken place in, in individual local churches and in, in communities. What is that? That is man accepting the truth. To be able to make the statement as a nation, that we are a Christian nation. What are we saying? That we acknowledge that God is in control. We acknowledge the truth of an almighty God. But as we get at those who reject the truth, we find them listed. And in future weeks, I'm going to take specific groups and organizations, and I'm going to put a word to them, and it's going to help you define what is even going on in our own nation. But generally speaking tonight, these groups are made up of individuals. 
And these individuals have rejected the truth of God. And my Bible tells me, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. For something to be revealed, somebody's got to know about it. It can be revealed to a group of people. It can be revealed to the individual. And I would say this tonight, that somebody who is facing the wrath of God, it's revealed to them, whether they want to admit it or not, that they're experiencing the wrath of God. Sometimes we can, we can pull ourselves back and we can make general statements and we don't always know what God's doing and we shouldn't pretend to know what God's doing, but sometimes we can make a pretty good guess and say, well, God is certainly judging our nation. Or the wrath of God, be that as it may, Scripture says, for the wrath of God is revealed. It doesn't say it's going to be revealed. It says it is revealed. Now, let me tell you how, or let me give you some thoughts on how the wrath of God is revealed. Because if you look at this list, it's quite a list. It's not a list that you want to have on your resume. But first of all, I believe the wrath of God is revealed in a person's conscience. See, there's a lot of talk today about mental illness. And I'm not going to get into all that tonight. I'm sure everybody, a lot of people have their opinion. But there's, there's a lot of people who claim to be mentally ill, but they're just under the wrath of God. And if somebody wants to take me out of context tonight, that's fine. They, they, they can do that. It won't be the first or the last time that it's done. But I believe... That man, knowing the truth, God is not going to leave them alone about the truth. And in further context of what the scripture says, and again, tonight we're talking about whether you're a Bible believer or you're not a Bible believer. Uh, what I'm preaching tonight would be laughed out of the halls of our universities, but they're not Bible believers. Uh, they don't believe the Word of God. In some cases, in, in these, these woke Bible studies that you might get into, uh, they, would, they would laugh me out of that. But let me tell you, they're not Bible believers. I'm a Bible believer. You have to differentiate that. God is not going to leave them alone. And that's one reason why man gets further and further and further and further. You can't just walk away from the things of God and reject the truth because we're going to get in, in future weeks what God will do in response to you rejecting Him. And the only way to make it stop is to get further and further and further away. Sometimes people say, I hear voices. Let me tell you the voice they hear. It's the Spirit of God speaking the truth to them. Well, can you give me any scientific proof of that? I can give you some scriptural proof of that. It's their conscience. The second way that I think we see the wrath of God revealed, and by the way, young people, before you go to the far country, Christian, before you leave the things of God, you need to understand something. If you're a child of God, the Spirit of God is never going to leave you alone. That's why, side note, that's why those that leave the truth 
have to turn and curse those that teach and preach the truth. Because the Spirit of God will never leave them alone. Don't make the mistake of thinking there's something wrong with the truth because of the reaction of those that reject it. Don't make the mistake there's something wrong with the delivery of the truth because of the reaction of those that reject it. It is the wrath of God revealed in their life. Because that's why when somebody, they, they get on and they, they see me in public and they run from me, but then they get on their keyboard. What that says is God is working them over. Because just seeing the man of God, if it sets you off for you to go into a rage, that's the wrath of God revealed from heaven against man's unrighteousness and ungodliness. But another way I believe the wrath of God is revealed is to be repelled by society. This would include the laws of a government, the punishment of a government, but hold on, the stigma that is placed on an individual. My Bible tells me, and this is where we don't know our Bibles, that if somebody falls, I'm to do my best to restore them. That, that's, that's, that's a ministry we're all to be in. And the Bible tells me that a just man can fall seven times, but as long as he keeps getting back up, we are in the business of restoring. And I want to go on record tonight to say, it doesn't matter what a child of God is involved in. If they want to come back to God, God will take them. God will forgive them. And with the help of God, I'll do everything I can to restore them. But I don't have to accept your rejection of the truth. There's a difference. There's a difference Somebody caught in sin. Somebody who's fallen. But for the grace of God, it's you and I. But for the grace of God, we, we, we don't have to have... We need, we, need a, we need a pastor, we need a parent, we need a Sunday school teacher, somebody who would pray us back to God, who would love us back to God. And if nothing else, I'll be your friend. Whether you walk in the aisles of this church or not, I will be your friend and help you get restoration with God. That is our business. We've got this backwards. Somebody who falls in sin, we, we too often cast them aside. And we're too busy accepting the social justice of the day because some feel like they need to be included. According to the Scripture, I'm supposed to restore the fallen. But I am never to accept the rejection of the truth. Because one way the wrath of God is revealed from heaven is for there to be a man of God, for there to be the Word of God, for there to be a church of God to say, no, you must accept truth. Anybody who wants to be a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church and reject the deity of Christ cannot be a member. 
anybody who wants to redefine what marriage is, I'm sorry, you cannot be a member. I will not accept it. Well, you're supposed to be inclusive of everybody. I'm not supposed to be inclusive of those who know the truth and reject it. I'm supposed to reach a hand to those who fall because of sin and succumb to temptation and restore. Those that know the truth and reject it, they have no desire to be restored to God. They have rejected God. And this is what we see in our society today. The church needs to be more inclusive. I mean, how more inclusive can you get than people coming from all walks of life, being saved by the grace of God? Red and yellow, black and white. That's pretty inclusive. That's not what they mean when they say the church isn't as inclusive as it should be. What it means is, I have rejected what God has said about me. I have rejected the truth of Scripture, and I demand you accept it. And they're great at misquoting Scripture and twisting the Word of God and making the truth of God a lie. Because... We have to accept. I'm commanded to love and forgive. But I don't have to accept man's rejection of the truth. There is a difference. In one way, this is important, this is important that we see. I believe we see the revealed wrath of God is because somebody who says, I don't want the truth of God, they are shunned. But what do you see in our society today? Don't you dare shun. Don't you dare. Where's the love of God in your heart? Well, Before you talk about the love of God in my heart, let's talk about your rejection of the truth of God. Let's talk about, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's talk about that. I'm commanded to love you. I'm commanded to forgive you. I'm not commanded to eat Thanksgiving dinner with you. I'm not commanded to send you a Christmas card. I'm not commanded to bring your error into the church of God. Matter of fact, as the pastor of this church, I'm the guard around it. The truth is here for any who wants it. And and as your pastor, I'll love you through any situation. I'll love you when you heed the word of God. I'll love you when you reject it. But I don't have to accept the, the results of the wrath of God in your life because of your rejection. Man, this is Bible. Within the revealing of the wrath of God... In conscience, repelled by society, by family. By the way, many of you, you have have a prodigal. There's a difference in somebody, because we all get enamored by this world. That's why we don't pitch our tent towards Sodom. That's why we stay away from the things of this world. But there's a difference. Somebody who's just backslidden. 
And then somebody who has the truth and rejects it and fights against it. And I have a responsibility. You say, well, you're not letting somebody come be part of your church who, 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 who wants to, to redefine marriage and say that this and this and this, or, or say that you know, society has, hey, we have to do this. Because, no. I don't, that's part of the wrath of God revealed from heaven. The third thing we find is we find disease and death. You think an almighty God who gives man life, who even knowing that man would sin, would send his son to pay that sin debt? And then man to have God make sure that every man has enough truth to realize that God loved them and that God, Christ would, they could be saved through the applied payment that Christ paid on Calvary. And then for man to look at an almighty God for the creation, to look at the Creator and to shake his fist at God and say, I reject the truth, I reject you, I reject everything about you, and for God to say, oh, okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But one way the wrath of God reveals is in disease and death. People still go to the grave because of God's judgment. People still go to the grave because of the wrath of God. God control. Now, God's a gracious God. And God's a merciful God. And God's more patient than you and I, and we ought to be grateful for that tonight. But if the wrath of God is real, and it is, and the Bible tells us for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, it's revealed in a person's conscience. It's revealed, but then being repelled by society. Mom and dad, don't change what you believe for anybody. Be repelled by society, by church. This church will love anybody. In this church, by fact, this church goes places that other people won't go. We, 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 lo we will love anyone, but you reject the truth. I don't have to reject the results of your life. Well, well, Pastor, um, I'll get to that in a moment. But then there's the disease and the death. We find that in our, in our nation. Number five, they are without excuse because they hold the truth and unrighteousness. Let's read this again in verse 18. I'll explain it to you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 and 20, as we've already seen, goes on to say, God has made it known. He showed it. Even the invisible things they've seen. Make sure they're understood. But the end of verse number 18, certainly the wrath of God gets our attention, and it should. We see what the wrath of God is revealed against, ungodliness and unrighteousness. But notice that phrase, don't miss it because it's key, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now my Bible tells me in verse number 20 that we are without excuse. And even those who want to offer up excuses are without excuse. Why? Because they hold the truth in righteousness. They are under the wrath of God. They are so because they do not let the truth do what the truth will do in their life. If they accepted the truth, the truth would transform them. If they obeyed the truth, the truth would transform them. They are given the truth and they hold the truth in unrighteousness, meaning they don't allow the truth to do in their life what the truth would do. The fact that you are where you are in your life tonight is a result of the truth doing a work in you. The truth will, as long as you... 
read the truth and you apply the truth, you obey the truth, the truth will transform. What's going to change our world? What's going to change our nation? What's going to change our society is the truth of the Word of God. The truth that is contained in this book, and if man would accept the truth and embrace the truth, as a matter of fact, tonight, if you're struggling in an area of your life, listen to the truth, embrace the truth, and the truth will do what the truth will do. But they hold that truth in righteousness almost like they hold the truth prisoner. They won't allow the truth to do what the truth would do. Pastor, I'd like to get my life back in order, okay? Let's get back in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I reject that truth. I, some other way. No. 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 That is how it's done. The truth would change them. And it's frustrating as their pastor who cares for them because all it is, let the truth do what the truth will do. The truth will give you peace. The truth will clean you up. The truth will give you boldness. The truth will give you joy. The truth will give you happiness. That's why we proclaim the truth. That's why we stand on the truth, because that's what the truth does. You come and you sit under the preaching of the truth. Nope. There's a truth available that would help, but they hold it prisoner. In the truth that has been revealed to this world, man rejects and in essence holds it prisoner. And so therefore the truth cannot do in their life, in their home, in, in their future, what the truth would do. We read this passage. We read in verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. We read in verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. We read in verse 29 through 31, being filled. It's not something they dabble in. They're filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Why are they filled with these things? Because they have rejected the truth, the truth that would prevent this, the truth that would change them, the truth that would give them joy, the truth that would make them honorable in the sight of God. They have held it captive, and therefore their truth cannot do a work in their life, and man left to themselves, that's what he becomes. You study history, and you study society, the great, the great empires from the Roman Empire, the Grecian Empire, a rejection of the true God, a rejection of the crucifixion of Christ, and yet they are left to their own devices, and they become more vile, and more vile, and more vile, and more vile. Why? Because of a rejection of the truth, and the truth that would transform them, has been held captive. Instead of doing what the Bible says, they curse it. You see all this rioting and nonsense and things that are going on in our nation today and demanding of things. There's more than one group doing it. They curse the Word of God. They all have that in common. Instead of being at the house of God, 
They attack it. Instead of accepting the truth, they change it into a lie. As verse 25 mentions. Don't, somebody who's had the truth and rejected it, don't believe a word they say. Well, that church, they're liars. They change the truth of God into a lie. How can you say that? You're judging them. No, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. We're either Bible believers or we're not. I hope this helps you tonight to see what is really going on in our world. Say, Pastor. I, I get that. And, and here, here's the conclusion tonight. And this is why I bring this Bible study. The hope we have is we must continue to proclaim the truth. I, I'm not against acts of kindness. I think you ought to be kind. I'm not against if somebody's thirsty, give them a bottle of water. I'm not against if somebody's hungry, feed them. But what is going to transform them is the truth. The reason why individuals are in the situation they're in is the rejection of the truth. The reason why the wrath of God is revealed in the lives of certain groups and certain beliefs is because of the rejection of the truth. What would change? If they would just let the truth do what the truth would do, it would clean them up. It would put their life together. It would give them joy. It would give them peace. It would give them all that the truth does But the truth has just got to do it. That's why we as a child of God and we as a church have got to continue to proclaim the truth. It is not time for the church to get into social justice. It is not time for the church to get into politics. It's about the truth. We must continue to stand on the truth. Mom and dad, the best thing you can do for... I don't want my children to turn out... Give them the truth. Well, if it's, if it's just blunt and in their face, they may reject it. Whether you give it to them or not, they're going to have a choice whether or not they accept it or reject it. You might as well, might as well come from you, and you might as well get it instilled in them at a young age. I wrote this in big letters in my outline so that I can really emphasize it. Because I haven't done much of that tonight. We are not politically correct. I have no intention of being politically correct. I don't preach to be politically correct. Our doctrinal statement is not intended to be politically correct. Our interaction with our society is not intended to be politically correct. I'd rather be politically correct. I'd rather be scripturally correct than politically correct. I have no intention of taking this into social justice. I don't find one activist in the scripture. I find proclaimers of the truth. It's the truth that is going to change the lives of people. Truth defines our position. I've been very careful. I'm sure not done perfectly, but I've been very careful in choosing my position as a pastor and as a Christian and as a man based on the fact that Scripture is the basis of all things and truth is where I've got to stand and truth is where I've got to be because If the world leaves me today, if everybody forsakes me today, it is the truth that I stand on that ultimately is going to make the difference. Because, parent, if you move away from the truth, there's nothing there to transform them anyway. 
If as a pastor I move from the truth to be accepted and be politically correct, to get involved in all the things of this world and not have somebody get on the internet and bash our position and people have all these opinions about what a Baptist is and a Baptist isn't, if we move from the truth, that very truth is what will transform them, is what will change them, and it's not about you or me anyway. It's about the God they've rejected. I'll close with this statement. According to verse number 32, who, knowing the judgment of God, God has given them so much truth, they already know His judgment. That's what the Bible says. That they which commit such things are worthy of death. They know the wrath of God. They know the punishment. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. If every church was closed, if every Bible was burned, and every preacher was silent, those who had rejected the truth would still be miserable because they would still be under the wrath of God. It's not because your church took too strong of a stand. It's not because your church was too hard-headed. It's not because mom and dad, you were too tough. Because the creation looked to the creator and said, I reject you. What you see going on in our society has nothing to do with Robert E. Lee. It has nothing to do with Thomas Jefferson. It has nothing to do with God made me this way. It has everything to do with there being the truth of God that He's given enough light for every man to know and that man looking to God and rejecting the truth. We see the results as we look closer at these in the coming weeks, I want us to understand that no matter what justification is given, God says, without excuse. You remember that next time somebody tries to convince you to leave your position of truth and go to their position of error? And they give all kinds of justifications for it. God says, without excuse. I'm just too stubborn and too far into this thing to take your word over God's. And this word wants to give all the justification because of the way they are. And my Bible says they're without excuse. You know, when that horrible time comes and lost man stands before that great white throne, you want to know how many excuses will be given? None. Not one excuse. Because man knows. I want us to realize what is going on in our world according to the Scripture so that you and I can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Society that gives in and changes, 
it's, it's, it's going to destroy itself. Churches that, that soften enough so that they don't offend certain groups. And, and let's just get used to it. The, the, every, every group in the world, at some point, if they're able to, if things progress, they're going to sue every Bible-believing preacher, preacher and, and church there is before hate speech and everything else. But the truth is the truth. And I'll stand with God's truth. So what are we to do? We're to preach the truth. We're to proclaim the truth. We're to not be affected by all the emotion, not be affected by all the, all the, all the passion. Push through all that and realize the solution is the truth. And we live in a world where the truth wants to be shouted down. We can't, we can't allow that to happen. Because truth is the only thing that will change it. Truth is the only thing that will change a man, change a heart, will change a, a family, will change a nation. Well, we ought to pray for hearts to be softened so that they'll free the truth in their own life. Well, well, well you know, and everybody thinks they have a right to blame God. Well, God allowed this. No, 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 don't blame God. Let the truth go. Let the truth do what it needs to do. Well, I'm just... No, you get into the preaching of the Word of God. You get into the Word of God every day. You change things about yourself. What that book says you do, you do. And truth will change you. But I guess it just comes down to... We don't want to be changed. I'm not changing. This world would say... Either God's got to change for me or I'll create another God. They do it. But then they can't understand why they can't sleep at night. Why they toss and turn. And I got to go get me another medication. I've got to go make, I, got, I, got, I can't do it. I just got to go forget everything. I will find myself. They don't understand. Why, they can try one group and one group and try another religious group and another religious group and another religious group and they try this one program and this one program. They don't understand. Oh, we're going to copy. What hashtag are we in this week? What social justice movement are we involved in this week? All right, let me know when it changes. It all comes back to the wrath of God is on. It's on those that would... Look at the truth and reject it. May we treasure the truth. Father, use the message tonight as you'd see fit. Father, help us to push aside the emotion and do our best to love people as you love them. And Father, may we realize that even those who would try and destroy us